Actually, guys, can you give me one minute? Can I take that call? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Mike and I are ready to do this podcast with Gerald, and he walks away. Too big, too important for talking to Mike and I. I get it. It's good to be the Gerald, I guess. But All right, sorry about that. No problem. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Squat Cobbler. I'm Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Dr. Mike at Official Pagan on everything. And I'm just going to tell you now, like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on, because this is a Kelly episode, folks. Yes, but it's an issues episode. It's not a Kelly episode. It's an issues episode. Light. Issues light this time. You know, Mike and I have been hitting that hard-hitting stuff. A little lighter fare, but we're still going to talk about issues today. Well, so no, no pedophilia this time? I don't. Only if you bring it to the party, my friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which I don't know if you caught on Facebook. Tony Browns are actually commenting on being mentioned in that context. And I assume it wasn't thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it was something like I knew I made it when <laughs> this is how I heard myself on a podcast. We need to get him on as a guest, though. I think he'd be an interesting guest. Absolutely. That sounds great. So generally today, gang, what we're going to go through is Disney Plus has uh, arrived. So we're going to talk about it as a streaming channel a little bit what our initial reactions are to it, what we think its chances of success are, and then kind of lean into that overall streaming environment overall where about everybody is setting up their own streaming channel now. And what's that world going to look like and how's that going to feel when you start to stack up all these little micro charges of streaming channels. So that's the basic uh, plan for the day. So let's start with Disney Plus. So do you have Disney Plus, Mike? I do, sir. And yourself? I do as well. Now, you don't necessarily strike me as a Disney guy right off the bat. So what drew you to Disney Plus? So it's got uh, exclusive Star Wars content. I mean, I was going to have a very hard time continuing to walk the Earth if new episodes of The Mandalorian were coming out and I did not have access to them. So it was the Star Wars content that brought me there. So I could kind of say the same for you. <laughs> what was the <laughs> what was the uh, big draw for you? Well, I think out of the two of us, like who's the Disney fan? Obviously me. Um, but I, I had a lot of interest in the the Marvel and Star Wars related content. When it came up in, in casual conversation, the idea was floated that maybe we didn't need more streaming services. And then the day of launch came around and I was asked what the password for it was. <laughs> I was like, we don't have that. Well, why? So apparently that idea was thrown away that maybe that perhaps we have too many streaming services. So if you don't, if it's not pressing too much, how many streaming services do you have? Okay, so currently, so, and, and this is, I don't really count this, but we have Amazon Prime, of course. And the reason that I don't count that is because I was already subscribing to Prime before there was a streaming element to it just for the shipping, because almost everything that I purchase, I purchase online and if possible off of Amazon. So I would be getting Prime in some capacity either way. So I don't really count that. But I also have Netflix. Uh, we have Hulu for the, the network TV stuff. And then I have Shudder, which I've mentioned a few times on here in various recommendations. 
All right. So um, I have to refer to my notes <laughs> as I go through <laughs> my current lineup. So I'm going to go with the, the Belinsky uh, exemption. And I also have Amazon Prime and therefore a streaming service related to it. But it was not purchased for the streaming. So not going to count it either. Use that as a pass. I have Netflix. I have Disney Plus. I do not have Hulu. I do have HBO. That was really for Game of Thrones. And then I've just kind of stuck around with it for now. And then Sling, that gets me Walking Dead and other AMC shows. So I think that's those are the main ones. So it's a similar lineup. And and from my understanding, Sling and Hulu are similar services. Yeah, I think probably from a monthly out-the-door cost, we're probably comparable uh, when you add them up. But but that's the rub. Is So I, I cut the cord as after about the fourth increase in rates, like, oh, your remote costs you another dollar a month, and this costs you a dollar a month through Comcast and Xfinity, and it just kept going up and up and up, and it was a big dollar amount. And I said, well, I can get almost everything I want with Sling uh, for a lot less, so uh, we ju- we cut the cord, went that way, but then I'm like, well, I can't get Game of Thrones, so <laughs> I got HBO. And, and then when obviously Disney Plus came along, and then Netflix was obviously just good, good entertainment. But the more this continues... Uh, the more kind of options we're going to have to have to keep adding to our suite of streaming services. Do you think they'll ever go more a la carte? I mean, or is this the a la carte we're going to get, which is you're going to have to pick these different packages and jump between them? Or do you think at some point there'll be some sort of aggregator that can kind of federate across a few of these? I think a combination of both. So I never thought, and it seems like there are a lot of people who are under this impression, as the streaming services became more popular. So I don't know if you remember, so I'm going to, this isn't really a tangent, but just more of a setting where we're at with streaming, I guess. So were you an early Netflix adopter back when it was just the physical discs? Well, that's, that's what I do now. It's, that's, that's all I do. You mean I can stream on Netflix? <laughs> They're streaming on Netflix? I have no idea. This, this will prove very interesting. Uh, no, I, I, um, I never did the uh, the DVD version. Okay. So I, I was a very early Netflix adopter. Not first days of Netflix, but when it started to roll out nationwide. And the reason that I say that, so for anyone who doesn't know, Netflix originally was just physical media. They mailed you discs and you watched them and mailed them back. And it was rolled out, you know, throughout the country over the course of a couple of years, I believe. And around the time that it really hit nationwide, we had just made the movie Evil Bong. And this isn't like a a plug. This is how I got into Netflix. Um, So I got my own Netflix account just so we could order copies of Evil Bong. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, when Netflix rolled out nationwide, their big claim to fame was that they had every, just about every film that was widely commercially released on DVD, which really wasn't a lot. Because DVD, uh, the U.S. was later in adopting the DVD format. DVDs actually launched in the mid-90s. We didn't really start to pick up on it until into the 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s. So they had like every North American DVD title. And the way that they worked it, because again, they were essentially a video store, not like a major (laughs) streaming service or anything like that. So the way that it worked, regardless of the size of your film, just like a, a traditional video store, they would basically just take a handful of copies of your film whatever it was. So 
I mean, other than maybe, you know, the latest Disney movie, obviously they may have more copies of, but for the most part, if you were trying to get a film placed on Netflix, it was a pretty level playing field in the sense of like every new movie they came out, they would take, you know, 10 copies of or whatever it was. And then if the film proved to be particularly popular, they would start ordering more copies. So we had the brilliant idea to get all of the people who were involved in the film to get Netflix (laughs) accounts and order a copy of Evil Bong and then just not return it for a while because there was no late fees. It was all covered in your subscription fee. So in very short order, they had ordered a very large number of copies of Evil Bong. There was a time where when Netflix was an actual physical store or physical media (laughs) outlet, there were more copies of Evil Bong there at one point than most major Hollywood movies. When they first, but I enjoyed the the service, so I kept my subscription. When they first introduced streaming though, and I don't, it sounds like you came in later for this. So streaming was added to the plans. There was different tiers, like one disc, two discs, five discs, whatever it was at a time that you could rent. When they added streaming, you got a certain number of minutes of streaming based on how many discs were in your plan. It was essentially AOL for for streaming movies. So like even though I had like the higher disc plan, the number of minutes I could stream was actually not even enough to watch a feature length movie. And not that there was a large library of content on there anyway, but like the most you could do is like watch an episode of a TV show. And honestly, it kind of sucked. But the idea was great as far as being able to stream movies, watch movies. There were similar things on PlayStation and Xbox around that time, but they were much more expensive. Similar to uh, before iTunes launched, uh, you could purchase digital copies of songs directly from bands' websites and record labels' websites, but it was significantly more money than buying a physical copy in the early days. That's kind of what was going on with streaming, where like they were limiting how much you could watch to the point where you couldn't really stream an entire movie. I remember I started this movie I really wanted to see that bizarrely was it was this obscure movie and bizarrely it was one of their limited library of streaming titles and I had to like watch part of it and then wait a week for my new month to start to watch the other half of the movie so streaming has come a really long way from then so my thing when I cut Comcast though Comcast was starting to get really expensive as Kelly said you know the regular bumps in the cost of everything my thing though when I was making that decision was at that point I just like you know with Amazon I already subscribed to Amazon long before streaming was a part of it I was already subscribed to Netflix so I didn't really add that to the cost I just looked at it as dropping the cost of Comcast and then replacing something that was costing me $200 a month with you know the $10 a month that Hulu costs my engagement with Netflix they they must have kind of cleared all that. I think when I very when I started, I might have had the option to order physical copies through the medium, but it was it, at that point it was, there was no limit. It was I don't know. I think at that point seven ninety five a month, and it was just an unlimited streaming and a, and a pretty great way to go. And I being uh, up there in years, I kind of never thought, hey, this whole on demand stuff. I'm. I'm more of an appointment television guy. I'm always going to probably consume most of my things that matter to me on a regular schedule. If it's Walking Dead's on Sunday night, I'm going to watch it on Sunday night. And for a few shows like Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad when it was around, those were days I looked forward to and, and watched it when it when it came out. But this concept now of, well, what do I want to watch today? What series do I want to go through now? It is a lot better way to... It's a more time-consuming way to enjoy media, but a lot better. I mean, you can go a lot deeper. 
Well, and you hit on something for, that for me kind of made sense too. Making the jump to streaming for me personally was easy because I was not a fan of live TV. For a long time, I didn't watch TV shows at all. Like I basically just watched movies that I would buy or rent. And then when I did start getting into certain TV shows, whether it was Walking Dead or whatever it might be, I would DVR them and then watch them at my own pace. So between, you know, working and then doing stuff with the band, I have a really odd schedule. So it just makes it hard for the appointment TV kind of thing. So being able to kind of DVR something and watching it at my own pace was great. So to me, making the jump to streaming was just uh, an enhanced version of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. So let's let's go talk about your, what, I got a week of experience now with Disney Plus or so, ballpark? Uh, yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, same here. What are your, what's your reactions overall to the service? So I, a lot of people were freaking out about the server issues and stuff they were having the first day or so. I mean, that still happens on Netflix. So, you know, we're decade plus in Netflix streaming now. So it, it was odd that like people were taken aback. I know Disney is a huge company and all that, but it was odd that people were kind of like taken back by that, like that, that wasn't, if anything, I'm more surprised that it went as smoothly as it did. I was expecting way, way larger issues with that sort of thing. It's sort of like there's, there's a certain band who I'm not going to mention their name because it sounds like this is a negative context, but it's not. And anybody who knows anything about us or has listened to bands I mentioned on the show can figure it out. But there's a certain band that we're associated with sometimes who has a reputation for missing shows or being late for shows. When in reality, it's like one or two shows a year and they play like 400 shows a year. So statistically, <laughs> they're doing great. So in that sense, it, it actually went a lot smoother than I would have expected. There are certain things right off the bat that I loved. So unlike Netflix, there is no tiers to the quality of streaming that you get and how that affects your price point, which is something that I really liked. Did you have any thoughts on that? So my my first reaction is, why in the world did everybody have to stay at home on Tuesday morning to catch Snow White as soon as Disney Plus came <laughs> on? It was like... Hey, I mean, and I was super fired up to see The Mandalorian, but I could wait until I got home that day. So the fact that the problems they, they had came, you know, the instant it was available, everybody was this whole fear of missing out, diving in right away. It was like, we're going to watch all the movies and they'll be gone. It's like, no, they'll be there. You're fine. Just relax. Not shocked to see that, you know, on any kind of launch like this, and they were promoting it hard, uh, is, you know, going to have its glitches. I do think they recovered pretty well. I really didn't experience any any server errors of any 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 more than it's noticeable occasionally on Sling or Netflix as you mentioned and all that. So I didn't really feel it, but I also wasn't like in there the second it opened up. Yeah, I thought that it was not to be unexpected to be a glitch, and I, I do think that they were covered well, but people were losing their minds back in the day when The Walking Dead actually mattered uh, and people were excited about a series premiere. I remember one season, it must have been about four seasons ago, everybody's fired up, Walking Dead's coming back, it's coming on, and Sling tanked right at the beginning of the episode. And Twitter exploded <laughs> with, with people just just the biggest uh, anger you can imagine. And it, 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 it happens, but uh, I'd prefer it not, <laughs> you know, particularly if I'm watching the season ending or beginning of the season kind of stuff and all of a sudden the thing tanks on me. Not a big fan of that, particularly if it's more of a, a scheduled deal. But I wasn't I wasn't really thrown by it. Obviously, the selection for me it's pretty great in that if you got the big Marvel movie catalog and lots of additional added features, the Star Wars catalog, 
And boy, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff that I'm not as familiar with. So looking forward to getting into that new material like The Mandalorian. We'll talk a little more about that uh, in a second. But and I prior to the show, we were Mike and I were exchanging a little bit back and forth. And I did mention my my biggest frustration, and this is uh, something that's been noted uh, in in a lot of reviews of it, is at least as of this time, they don't kind of hold your place in queue. So that if you start consuming a series like uh, Star Wars Rebels, which is uh, one I'm kind of going back through again, and you're to episode six in the first season, when you come, if you if you pop out episode six, episode seven's right there for you while you're kind of in the flow of that session. But as soon as you leave your session, the next time you come in, it says, would you like to start at episode one, season one? And so you've got to remember where you were <laughs> uh, to kind of navigate back through there. And that's been, from a Netflix standpoint, uh, always a super big strength is that when I go back in under my profile, if there's a series I'm working my way through, even if I've been away for, for it for months, it knows last episode you watched was 47. You want to go to 48. Yeah, and there's no, and again, so I don't, I haven't tried this on multiple devices. So I don't know if this is a, an issue across multiple platforms. I know with certain streaming services, depending on the app that you're using, whether it's the smart TV version, you have the mobile version, whatever it is, there some of the functionality is different. So I don't know if this is the case of just I'm watching this iteration of Disney Plus that is for the Amazon Fire TV Cube. But building off of what you're saying, there is no on the version that I have <laughs> most streaming services when you go into the main menu will have like titles that you were recently watching to jump back into. And that is, as of now, not an option on the way that I'm consuming it. Yeah, same. And so my primary interface is the Roiku app version for Disney Plus. And same deal. Uh, there's no continue watching X, Y, or Z. It does have recommended for you uh, that I'm assuming is kind of following a little bit of the the Netflix algorithm. To try and say, well, if you're watching this and that, it'll start to learn your preferences and start to populate uh, for you. But yeah, it's that's that's a gap, and I can't imagine that that would put undue stress on the system to introduce it as a feature. And I'm sure they're going to hear plenty from folks about introduce it as a feature. So, well, you you hit on something there as far as like uh, the Netflix approach to things. So the interface, again, on the way I'm choosing to watch it is very, very similar to the Netflix interface, which is a, a positive. And the reason I say it's a positive and most of the streaming services, whether it be Amazon or even Shutter, kind of follow that that Netflix model. Although Shutter is superior to all of them in every single way, kind of follow that similar model. Hulu does not. Hulu's interface is complete garbage. If you don't choose what you want to watch online, you'll basically never find it using their their actual like smart TV interface. It is terrible terrible and i have a couple of friends who didn't have hulu so for anyone who doesn't know hulu is being offered in a bundle with espn and disney plus i opted not to get the bundle uh because i'm not a sports guy so i wasn't i you know while i it may be worth the bundle cost i would just be adding a couple of dollars for the sports elements that i personally am not interested in uh, so I still have them separately. So a few of my friends, though, who got the bundle, who were into sports and wanted Disney, and they're looking at it as just adding Hulu for a few dollars. Absolutely hate 
when it was interface. And I tried to warn them all up front. And Disney is now the primary owner of Hulu. I, I believe that they they bought up most of the stock for it. So they are technically the owners. Uh, they really need to get on that. That is awful. Their interface. I like Hulu as a service and everything that they have to offer. It seems very, very similar to the same things that are available on Sling. It's basically a very similar product, but just complete garbage to try to navigate. Yeah, the the Sling interface is, from as you describe it, probably slightly better, but not significantly. Because and and they've continued to toy with it. They're making it a little bit better as things go by. But it's another one that's kind of kind of nasty to make your way through well and and that's what doesn't make sense because hulu was until maybe a year or so ago basically a a netflix clone the interface and it worked fine and the app on the the mobile app and if you pull it up on your your pc or laptop or whatever it's more or less still on the netflix thing it is the smart tv version of it they decided to replace all of the functionality with bright colorful backgrounds and these odd like folder system that you have to go through (laughs) it's like a hierarchy of folders to find that it is awful it's the absolute worst thing that i've ever tried to navigate before i'm not going to get rid of hulu because that's how i get any kind of network tv stuff that we might be interested in but man it's terrible so i was very i was worried about what the interface of disney plus would be because when they purchased hulu or became the uh the primary stockholders of Hulu. I was really concerned, like if they're going to build this off of the Hulu model, like this is going to be terrible interface wise. But instead they, they just more or less copied Netflix, which is kind of the way to go. It's, you know, I'm a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. As far as that goes, Netflix is, is pretty easy to navigate. Well, this is a Kelly episode, so I really couldn't let it go by without starting to skate up to the edge of getting in trouble. So let's do that for a bit. The other interesting thing on Disney Plus uh, is for a number of their titles, and I've yet to see this, but I've heard it mentioned, but for a number of their older cartoons, uh, they have a disclaimer that comes up saying, "Uh, for your information, this might be a little bit socially insensitive, (laughs) you know, in terms of the world's changed and maybe some of our, our depictions and out there are, are uh, not so good. Now, I've yet to run across that, but I'll, I'll be interested. Now, there were clearly Disney-created videos during World War II uh, that were quite um, quite racist in their depiction of the Japanese, uh, et cetera, there. And I doubt those are on. <laughs> you know, you can still find them on YouTube, but I doubt those will be on Disney+. Plus. But they did put some on that are like, eh, this may not resonate well. And so going back to a suggestion that I still have no interest in Mike some time ago and said, you know, what would be great is if we did completely clean review of adult movies <laughs> and just do a series <laughs> of completely clean reviews. of And uh, I still want to do, I was thinking I, about that. Yep, today. <laughs> keep thinking about it because it's not going to happen, but you know, but I will offer as an alternative, uh, it's, and we won't find it on Disney plus. We'd have to go digging around, um, on, uh, on YouTube, but we could pick a couple of insensitive, old cartoons and decide which one was worse kind of have a runoff (laughs) between two of them and say watch (laughs) them describe them and say okay which one of these was was has aged the worst or is the most off the mark or something like that so that at least gets you into maybe some of the content world you want to get into mike so give that some thought as a you know who did it who wore it worse kind of thing (laughs) so (laughs) um so there was a lot of talk before disney plus launching of what type of content might be available on there? Because so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Disney has 
there was a point in time there where Disney was kind of struggling as a studio. So they were surviving off of their distribution deals with smaller companies like, well, then smaller companies like Pixar and things like that. They also did distribution deals for some companies like Touchstone who had more adult oriented things going on. So Disney technically distributed, just to name a couple of movies you might be familiar with, Pretty Woman, uh, which is a story about a prostitute who falls in love with a businessman, and Natural Born Killers, <laughs> which would would probably surprise some people, was a Disney distributed film. A lot of that stuff kind of came to an end, though, with the insane clown posse debacle of the late 90s. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Kelly. <laughs> I am trying desperately to connect the dots unsuccessfully, so continue. So Disney, again, struggling, but still keeping afloat with their various distribution deals. Disney had a partnership. I don't know if they owned it technically or if they were just uh, had a, a ownership stake in it in terms of their stock. Uh, but they had a partnership with a record company called Hollywood Records. And Hollywood Records would release the Disney soundtracks, which in some cases in the around the mid to late 90s were performing better financially than the actual movies were, the actual Disney product movies. So they were still doing really well off the record business but hollywood records at that time didn't really have any bands that were selling they were just existing off of these soundtracks so disney in an effort to diversify was pushing hollywood to go out and you know find an act that would sell records and there was a bidding war going on for the i would i would say squat cobbler favorite <laughs> band insane clown posse disney having deep pockets <laughs> even even in troubled times having deeper pockets than most a leaner time for disney is still probably a fairly robust time by any other stretch of or any other conception of that having very robust deep pockets in this decided to just jump in and outbid everyone else because what would go better on disney than a group of singing clowns yeah <laughs> so, yeah if you're doing very 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 minimal research sure <laughs> that and that's apparently where disney's head was at at the time this was the michael eisner led disney and uh they were like yeah let's just go outbid these record companies and we'll have the singing clown group and uh they did for like a day or two uh so insane clown boss he had an album that was more or less finished and they turned it in and hollywood records listened to it and they they had a few notes but overall it seemed like it was a pretty smooth transaction and then the record came out and that same day, there were national boycotts of Disney and church groups and family groups and all said that they were, you know, going to forever blackball Disney. So the day it was released, Disney pulled that and were pulled the record off of shelves and stores everywhere, spent more money doing that than it probably cost to produce the record. And uh, they violated their contract with Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> so it, it turned into a whole big thing. And it's the reason that you know who Insane Clown Posse is, because that made them famous. They were for one day had a record out on Disney. Oh, I would pay so much to the, you know, um, for Christmas. And I think maybe even for Thanksgiving, there'll be the, the big parades, particularly for Christmas, the big parades where they're showing, hey, this is Disneyland and this is Disney World. And they got the parades and the floats. And then they cut over to the main stage and different artists come out. Uh, and say, if, Ed, we're going back to Disney World for the insane clown posse doing a Disney classic would be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is the reason that they are a part of the uh, the national lexicon. It's because they were suddenly insane clown posse went from this little cult group that had a had a decent following, but this indie kind of cult group to they were on national news. Like I remember that day, like coming home and MTV was like running. They're like, who is insane clown posse? And all of a sudden they were in Rolling Stone and all these other things. And really the the biggest part of it was just like no one had ever heard of this group before. 
people were like, who is this band? So Disney w- was kind of responsible for that. And after that, they, they cut a lot of their distribution ties with a lot of other companies because it started a wave of scrutiny from the these more conservative groups that were prepared to blackball them and <laughs> protest them over the insane clown posse thing. They started looking a little bit deeper into some of the other things Disney had fingerprints on, like natural born killers and things along those lines that a lot of people, I think, didn't realize that Disney was involved in. So it brought up a lot of interesting points when this was announced. Like, is this going to be a more family oriented thing? Because now Disney also owns Fox. And while Fox has stuff that, I mean, I guess would have been edgy at the time, like the Simpsons when it first came out and things like that, there, there's plenty of Fox material that could fit in with Disney, but then there's other Fox material, like things on FX, for example, whether it be shows like the shield and sons of anarchy or, you know, always sunny in Philadelphia, stuff that that's decidedly more adult leaning, um, the alien franchise, things like that, that have big followings, but you know, maybe aren't Disney plus material. So there was a lot of questions over what content was actually going to be on there. Disney did shortly before the launch say that there would be nothing on there that would be above, say, a PG-13 rating at most. The Simpsons is on there, but they said that the majority of the Fox stuff as of now, they are going to find a home for on Hulu. That they're going to use their their controlling stake in Hulu uh, as an outlet for all the Fox material that doesn't fit on Disney+. Plus. However, they did announce that there would be a number of titles that they're not going to re-release at all regardless of what these services and specifically Disney movies. So to, to what Kelly's saying, um, there was a few films that they said they were going to heavily edit. One of them was Dumbo. My understanding is that Dumbo has not been heavily edited as was originally stated, but has one of these disclaimers in the beginning. Now there are a number of films. They said they are not going to put on there at all, including song of the South, which is their most infamous. If you're not familiar, as far as their blatantly racist material, (laughs) that some of the older Disney stuff has. And apparently they have edited Toy Story 2 for the Disney Plus streaming service. Now on the the opposite end of that though, there are shows like Gargoyles, the cartoon from the 90s, that is actually on Disney Plus unedited, which is interesting because other than when it originally aired and the subsequent DVD releases that came out later, the reruns of the Gargoyles series are edited on network TV and on the Disney channel. So I thought it was strange, like, you know, Toy Story 2 is edited, but the show they've been editing for years in reruns is on their uncut. And I'm not complaining necessarily. Uh, I love Gargoyles, so I'm happy it's on their uncut and I can rewatch it the way it was originally aired. But it seems odd. Like, I'm I'm worried we're going to come into some of that a la carte. What do we call it about your uh, concern over things? There was a great term you had for it, Kelly. Targeted Um, outrage. Targeted outrage. So I'm worried that I could see because they are making these decisions like, well, Fox stuff can't go on here, but it can go on Hulu. We're not going to edit Dumbo, but we're going to edit Toy Story. (laughs) But Gargoyles is okay. That's going to go up uncut. I feel like we are setting ourselves up for targeted outrage. And I'm already seeing some backlash. Uh, I haven't watched any of the movies with the disclaimer, but the Dumbo disclaimer in particular, that was one that Disney themselves singled out as a movie that they should edit and apparently didn't. Apparently the disclaimer says outdated. (laughs) Not not, (laughs) not Not wrong. wrong. Just outdated. (laughs) Just outdated. It's outdated depictions. Yeah, they they probably should. Not that it's wrong, just outdated. Like, you can't say this now, but it was cool back then. 
Yeah, I know I spend a lot of time removing some of the outdated portions of Squat Cobbler for YouTube. So <laughs> that's a I'll have to get to Cobbler Cobbler Ren on the phone and have him give me a outdated and we'll, we'll use we'll begin to use some of that uh in there as well. I think that'll that'll prove useful. <laughs> but while so while I haven't watched Dumbo on there, I know exactly what they're talking about. Oh yeah. About. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I, and again, using the word outdated, I, I can see why people are offended still. And at this, and then, you know, but Toy Story is edited. So do you have any idea what part of Toy Story 2 is edited? Yes. Um, they, they, they said what it was going to be. There's a scene at the end of the movie where there's a casting couch joke at the end of Toy Story 2. And they said that scene is edited out. It's not a plot related scene. It, there's like a montage at the end of the movie of like different things the characters are doing after the actual storyline is done. So they cut out the one sequence, which I do remember even when I saw and I'm not I'm anti-censorship. I don't think they should be doing this, especially when you leave in the quote unquote outdated <laughs> depictions of anybody who's, you know, Walt Disney didn't find acceptable. I, I feel like this was an odd distinction to make. So I'm not defending, you know, editing it or not editing something else. But I do remember thinking even at the time that I had seen Toy Story 2, like, wow, that that was a little edgy for a PG, that joke. But now, and I, I get it, especially in the wake of Me Too and all that stuff. I understand why they would feel that they should edit that. I, I don't agree, but I understand where they're coming from. But again, it's we're picking and choosing our outrage. They're like, yeah, but racism's, you know, not that bad. <laughs> we can't we can't make this sex joke, but all that racism over there. I mean, that was back in the day. That's all right. And we'd be giving up one of our best songs in Dumbo if, you, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're going to get all hung up on this outdated content or the, some of the fundamental premise of it. So I'm kind of thinking I do really want to talk about. So have you watched the Mandalorian? The first episode. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go a little, let's go a little deeper into Mandalorian. Let's let kind of both of us get a few more episodes in and then maybe we'll do a squat cobbler and talk about it. Cause I got, I got a lot to say about it all. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts just off the one episode. And and by and large, I mean, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about it, but I almost would like to give it its own time. uh, And we'll kind of keep this one to the streaming stuff in Disney plus if that works for you. Sounds good. All right. So how many more streaming services do you think you're willing to buy? Honestly, I, I, I did largely think that I was done. So while I am overall impressed with Disney Plus, I am concerned about them picking and choosing what's acceptable for their viewers. If you're embarrassed of the racist movies you made, maybe you shouldn't have made a bunch of racist movies. And again, understand the Toy Story thing, but, eh, <laughs> you know, there's racist stuff still on there. Although Song of the South isn't because that's even where Disney draws the line. They're like, yeah, that one's bad. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a tough one to rationalize. Really, really outdated. Super outdated. <laughs> Remember when we said that last one was outdated? This one's even more outdated. So that concerns me a little bit. But overall, I'm happy with it. I like that it's not, there's no tiered pricing like there is with Netflix as far as the quality. Not that they have a gigantic 4K library available, but the titles they do have, you're not paying more for the 4K iteration, which to the best of my knowledge, it's just Netflix that does that. Uh, Because with uh, Amazon Prime, everything they have available in 4K is available with your regular subscription. I would say in every conceivable way, though, Shutter is still the superior streaming service until squat streaming comes out (laughs) (laughs) until until that comes along but i mean with with netflix 
you know, what I think you're going to see as things splinter off, Netflix might struggle a little bit here and there for certain things that they're losing. But I don't see people I can see people adopting multiple services, just like people have multiple gaming machines. And when you had cable, you got multiple premium channels and things like that. So that that doesn't surprise me. I kind of always thought we were headed in this direction. Do I think people are going to get them for every network, though, which is what every network has dancing in their minds right now, their own streaming service? No, I don't. I don't see people getting, you know, 15, 20 different streaming services. I'm sure some will. But as a whole, I just don't see the millions adopting that that they would need for that to be a viable option for them. So I think you'll see certain ones kind of condense and you're and consolidate. And you're already seeing that they announced this week in a, I'm sure, a bid to directly combat Disney Plus. Uh, as far as the family content goes, uh, Netflix has struck a deal with Nickelodeon. Yeah, that'll help them some. But there's the Nickelodeon catalog. While well, there's some treasures in there, I mean, that's this is the thing with Disney. I I agree that I mean. I'll, you're going to see a bunch of people try uh, to spin up their own kind of network or organization related streaming service because they're going, hey, we could be just like Disney. But the reality is, you know, since Disney owns about 52 percent of the universe that, you know, they, they can when they when you can roll it in your catalog, the whole traditional Disney catalog plus Marvel, plus Star Wars, you have a little stronger base to go after. So I, I do think right. and there's some fascinating stuff on, on particularly early Nickelodeon, some of the things uh, that, that emerged there were really creative and kind of cool. So I think there's there's some good content there, but they're, they're just, they're grossly outnumbered <laughs> in terms of... Oh, yeah, no, no. I don't, I don't think that, you know, they have a chance of, of taking the family market away from Disney. Just more in the sense of, I think while you're seeing a lot of every network trying to launch their own streaming service i think eventually that'll that'll get pared down you'll see more combined efforts like nickelodeon teaming with netflix to become their their streaming distributor or whatever you want to call it i think you'll see a lot more of that coming as well so i think that's two thumbs up for disney plus from mike and i outdated thumbs up <laughs> overall yeah it's, it's no shutter yeah it's but... so on a on a scale of one to shutter it's four <laughs> but uh and we'll have to see on the streaming stuff so you know out, outside of one little foray into some possibly scary territory a fairly uh, innocuous squad on the issues this week so i think i think that's a good sign <laughs> so uh, don't don't get used to it folks we'll come up with other things um I don't have anything else for this week. Do you, sir? Uh, no, that would be it, sir. As Mike mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, be sure to like and subscribe on your channel of choice. We love it when you do it on YouTube. FYI, spoiler alert. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Stop the broadcast.